Well, good morning, everybody. It's really good to see your beautiful faces here this morning, albeit eyes and forehead only, but um, you're all looking great. Um, hopefully, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have the opportunity. People are going to have the opportunity to come and join us in the building if you haven't done so already this morning. And I notice um, we do seem to have a few spare seats, so we may even be able to up the capacity a little bit further, but we'll um, let you know through the week. I wonder, um, by a show of hands in the room, and if you're online, you can use the um, hand-up emoji in the live chat, how many people have taken advantage of the shops reopening this week? Any shopping sprees? Just one. Oh, dear. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to have... Oh, no, two, two. It's okay. It's all right. What about um, anyone had a drink at a pub garden? Oh, okay, a few more hands for that one. Yeah, that's good. Anyone uh, managed to go to the gym? Oh, okay. Yeah, a couple there as well. Oh, good. I wondered if there'd be more for pub and less for gym, but I think we're, I think we're about even. What about the uh, post-lockdown haircut? Anyone managed that? Yeah, okay, pretty much everyone. That seems to be the one that we were desperate for, doesn't it? The, um, the haircut. But of course, the most exciting reopening of all is Tamworth Elam Church, right? 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 Come on. It's great to have a, a little bit more freedom, I think, in what we can do. And hopefully um, that can continue in the coming weeks and months, uh, all being well. Our plan is to be meeting now um, each and every Sunday. Um, and uh, we're praying that there won't be a change to that. So if you were with us uh, last week, um, or watching online last week, no one was here in the building, um, you will remember, perhaps, that we've begun studying Paul's letter to the Ephesians, found um, in the Bible, in the New Testament, sandwiched between Galatians and Philippians. It's only six chapters, this letter. It's quite a short one. But as we saw last week, Paul likes to use a lot of words and he likes to cram in a heck of a lot of ideas. And we, we ended up covering a lot of ground last week. And his opening poem, um, originally one long sentence, Paul highlights some really incredible truths about God and about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, um, and particularly about the blessings that we have from being part of his family. And if you missed it and you want to catch up at any point, you can do so on our YouTube channel. Um, so this week we're going to be finishing off chapter one, as it is in our Bibles. If you've got Bibles with you, please get them open. And at home, feel free to follow along in your Bibles. Um, of course, it's chapter one in our Bibles, but Paul didn't write chapters and verses in his original letter. That would have been weird, slightly neurotic perhaps. Um, it was just one long scroll that would have been read out loud to all the places that the churches gathered. And I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear that the second half of this chapter is considerably easier than the first half. At least there are no more um, epic poems for us to look at. Instead, we find a prayer. Well, not a prayer exactly, but an insight into the kinds of prayers that Paul was praying for the church. This is what he writes in verse 15 and 16. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, something um, we mentioned last week is that in the earliest manuscripts we have of this letter, there is actual, um, actually no reference to Ephesus in verse one. 
And so it's possible that Paul didn't write this letter exclusively for the Ephesian believers, but intended it for a wider audience, maybe to be used in in several churches. And here we see maybe another indication of that, because Paul says, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people. And that would have been unusual if he was just writing to Ephesus because that was a church that he knew really, really well. He spent a number of years ministering there. He may have said something like, I hear that you're carrying on in your faith or uh, it's great to see that you're still managing to love God's people. But here he says, I I heard about it. So it would have been a strange way for him to write. And I mention this because if Paul has in mind this wider audience, um, then we can take these words as written to us as well. That means we can kind of insert ourselves into the letter and we can kind of hear about the prayer that Paul might have prayed for us, had he known us or had us in mind. At my um, life group this week, um, we had a session led by one of my members, a, a girl called Gabby. It was an excellent session on prayer. And we spent time thinking about um, what it means to pray, why we pray, how we pray, who, who taught us to pray. But one of the main things that, that kept coming up in our conversation was the importance of praying together. The importance of praying in community, praying together as a church and praying for the church. And so this is kind of Paul's prayer for the church or Paul's prayer for us, if you like. Verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So... I don't know if that's similar to the sorts of prayers that you um, pray at home or wherever you are. Um, Mine are maybe not quite as fancy. I don't think I've ever prayed for anyone's eyes of their heart to be open particularly, but there's a first time for everything. But let's go through exactly what Paul is asking for the church here. Firstly, he wants them to know God better. He says in verse 17, may we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we may know him better. And if you've been around um, Christians for any length of time, you've probably been told the way to get to know God better is to uh, read your Bible more, or maybe uh, pray more, um, or maybe try and pay closer attention during the sermon, something like that. And although those sort of things have value, certainly, Um, Paul doesn't actually pray for better biblical literacy or a more disciplined quiet time or even the ability to stay awake in a sermon. It would have been quite ironic had he prayed that. Um, Check out Acts 20 verse 9 if you don't know what I'm talking about. But rather he asks that we be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
And here again, I think he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember, he wrote in verses 13 and 14, You are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were God's possession. Meaning, essentially, the Holy Spirit is the part of God that lives within us, that helps us to live for him who works within us. Now, um, so for Paul, to, to know God better was to be able to recognise the Spirit's work within us. And that might start to sound a bit strange or, or, or mystical, but I don't think it needs to be. And in fact, Jesus himself spoke about this idea in John 16. On the night before his crucifixion, he said to his disciples, I have much more to say to you, more than I can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will lead you into all truth. On another occasion, Paul said, we've not received a spirit from the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. The Holy Spirit helps us to recognize the way forward, and it helps us to grow in our knowledge of God. So whatever situation we might face, whatever um, life might throw at us, whatever we might go through, the Holy Spirit is our constant companion, the one who sees us through. And part of that, that knowledge, part of what he gives us is um, hope. And this is the next part of his prayer. In verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Paul prays for a greater awareness of the hope that we have been given. And again in Romans 8, he says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we're God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. And indeed, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. As followers of Jesus, whatever hardships we face, whatever difficulties we might go through, we know that our hope is secure. And I know that that's not always an easy thing. Hope can be Um, hard sometimes. Hope can be fleeting. We can feel as though often even those of us who are Christians have no hope. That's why we spent three weeks at the start of the year reflecting on the hope that we have. But Paul is praying here that we would be able to recognise it in our lives, that our hearts would be open to it. And he also prays in verse 18, and I think this is really, really interesting, that we might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Our hope and our inheritance is found in community, in the church, in each other, in loving and caring for one another through the good times and the bad times. Part of Paul's prayer for for the church is that we would recognize all that we have in the church, that we would recognize what it is that we have together in each other. Because I think there's something incredibly beautiful about the church. As flawed and as broken as it is, and sometimes it really is flawed and broken, it's also one of the main ways that God works in our lives. It's one of the main ways that he speaks to us. At the end of this chapter, Paul writes that the church is the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, because it's in being together that we are encouraged in our faith, that we lifted into his presence, 
that we get to share in good times and bad, that we find friendship and fun and laughter and acceptance and joy and a shoulders to cry on and people that we can be vulnerable with and people that we can be broken around and people that can help to, to put us back together. It's messy and it's, it's complicated often, but it's also holy and majestic, just like we are in Christ. In this past year, of course, we've had to find new ways of being church, haven't we? And um, it's been difficult and it's so nice just to have some, some of you back here this morning to, to see your faces. But through it all, I don't think the church has lost any of its power or potency. In many different ways, we have carried each other through this time. We have supported each other and, and looked after each other and, and we're not done yet. We're going to continue to do that. And so if you're watching this today, um, and maybe I'm talking particularly to those online this morning, and you're not part of a Christian community, then I would really encourage you to get connected, to come along and join us in person, to join a life group, to, to, to make a connection with us, because I really think that we need each other. So Paul prays that we might know him, know God better, through the Spirit at work within us, that we might know the hope that we've been called to, that we might recognise all that we have together in church, in community, and finally that we might know the power that lives within us. In verse 19 he calls it an incomparably great power for us who believe. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but the age to come. Paul reminds us that that God's power is absolute, that he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms. And and most significantly, perhaps most incredibly, most wonderfully, that same power is available to us. Notice Paul doesn't pray, Lord, give them this power. He only asks that we recognise the power that is already at work within us, that the eyes of our heart may be open to it. As the song we sometimes sing goes, the same power that conquered the grave lives in me, in you, in us, together. And Paul returns to this idea later in his letter when he writes at the end of chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, then God's power is already at work within you. He is already raising you from the dead, giving you new life. In Romans 6, Paul writes, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. God's power at work within us enables us to live the life that he's called us to to be transformed into the likeness of his son, that we might become those hands and feet, the body of Christ on earth, and that we might share in his glorious inheritance. Do we recognise God's power at work within us? Paul prays that we would. And what an awesome prayer that is. And so what do we do with it? How do we respond to this, this prayer, this scripture, this text this morning? Well, firstly, I think it's a great prayer to pray for ourselves. I think it's a prayer that that we should pray over ourselves today. 
And secondly, I think this is a really good prayer for us to be praying over our church in this next season as we move forward. That we might pray that we would know God better. That we would walk more closely with him. Certainly we're helped through reading scripture and listening to others, but that we might pray that we have an increasing awareness of the work of his spirit within us. That we might come to know him and recognise his voice in, in every circumstance and every situation. To pray that we might know the hope that we've been called to. Not in some sort of superficial way where maybe we assume everything will be all right in the end, but actually that we would be transformed by it. That we would be changed by that hope that lives within us. That we would become agents of hope in the world. That we would carry a hopefulness within us. So that when others meet us and when we, when we speak to folk and when we care for folk in our community and family, they would see the hope that we have. That we might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in each other. Maybe um, some of us have been taking a step back from community recently, from church, whether for good reasons or, or, or bad reasons. But maybe we can just pray today that we would recognize the beauty of God's church again. And to pray that we might know the power of God at work in our lives. That we wouldn't look to inferior sources of power, but we would look to God. We would look to him for how we are to live our lives. And that we would become increasingly more and more like Jesus in our words and deeds. Because all power and glory belongs to him. So if you're stuck next time, you sit down to pray. You think, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to start. Maybe open Ephesians 1 and have a look because I think there are some incredible things that we can pray there. I wonder if the band would come and um, join me on stage and just prepare um, to lead us again. And let's just be still for a moment here in the room and you guys watching online as well, just in your own home. Sometimes we're really uh, quick just to rush on and, and finish things off. But let's just take a moment. Let's just... Leave a breath for God to speak to us today. Maybe if you've got your Bible open in front of you, you can just read through those words again for yourself and just begin to pray that prayer over yourself. What is it that you need today? What is it that's struck you as you've read those words? What is it that's really done something inside of you that's awoken in your heart? Is it that you want to know him more? Maybe you feel like you've been losing touch with God recently and actually you just want, you want to get back to the place where you feel like you know him, that you're walking closely with him. Maybe it's the hope thing. Maybe that you would just have a greater sense of that, that hope that you've been called to, that hope that we all have, that, that we know about sometimes as an abstract concept, but we, we kind of lose sight of it sometimes and we allow circumstances and life to take over, don't we, and, and, and crush us. So maybe we just need to return to that hope today. Maybe it's the community thing. Maybe through this time, as, as much as we've met online and, and all the rest of it, you've just kind of lost touch with your church and your family. Maybe there's, there's something there for you. Or maybe it's just that you would know that power again, that power of God at, at work within you. What is it today that God is saying? Let's pray this prayer. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, give us the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation that we may know him better. May the eyes of our hearts be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. God, we are your body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In Jesus' name we pray.